What is up, good movie buddies? It's your very best good movie buddy, Rick Williamson here, and I have a big, big announcement before we get started. Before I do, I just want to thank every single one of you who is listening right now for listening to The Popcorn Diet. It is one of the coolest things in the world to see people who share our love of movies and and give a crap about what we have to say about movies. It, it's one of the most fulfilling things in the world. So thank you so much from the bottom of my heart for being a part of this podcast and listening to us. Now, we got a lot of plans for 2019. We got a lot of things that we want to do, and we got a lot of announcements to make, but probably none more so important than announcing that we are on Patreon. That's right. You can go to the Popcorn Diets Patreon page, just by going to patreon.com slash the popcorn diet and consider becoming a patron of the podcast. What is Patreon? Patreon is a way for you to join your favorite, you know, online community of content creators, whether they be podcasts or YouTube channels or authors or artists and essentially pay them for making the stuff that you love, you know? Um, and what's really cool is that Obviously, the creators get paid, but then they are able to turn that around and directly give it back to you with new content, with new merch and things like that. And that's what we want to do. Not only is every dollar from our Patreon going to go towards improving the podcast in every way, shape and form from audio to visual merch, um, patron exclusive content, but it is also a really cool way for you to access some of that exclusive content. So again, from the bottom of our hearts, thank you so much for being part of the Good Movie Buddy community. Thanks for being a Good Movie Buddy community. And definitely consider going to patreon.com slash thepopcorndiet and becoming a patron of the podcast. But now, it's time for our best of 2018. Welcome all you good movie buddies to the Popcorn Diet, a podcast for those who live on a steady diet of movie theater, popcorn, and other movie snacks, such as whatever the hell leftovers you still have from the holiday season. As always, my name is Rick Williamson, your very best good movie buddy, and with us as usual is our other good movie buddy, the Canadian machine, Mr. David Melhorn. David, it's a new year. How you feeling? About the same as a day ago. Yeah, it's not not too, not too much different. I'm excited. 2019. Yeah, it's gonna be gonna be a great year. It's gonna be a great year. That's what we said about 20. It's <laughs> what we've said about the last. Two I'm gonna years. change some things. <laughs> Are you? Yeah. What's your? Give me one resolution of yours before we get into this. Do you do, give me one? I know I have a couple actually, but give me one of yours. You don't seem like somebody who makes resolutions though. I don't. I, I make goals okay. for the year. Okay, then give me a goal. <laughs> Do you have a goal? I'll give you one of mine. All right. One of my goals of this year is to severely cut down, and even I'm giving myself a little wiggle room there, on French fries. That's just one of my small goals is that, you know, an overall goal is to get healthier and be more active and eat better. But I figure I would find one particular enemy that I could focus all of my firepower on. Rick, goals need to be measurable. Oh, well, every time I eat a burger, I won't eat French fries. Boom. Measured. <laughs> right? <laughs> so as long as you don't do it once, technically, don't, don't you eat French fries. fulfill that uh, Keep the <laughs> Okay, like keep the amount of times I eat French fries underneath like 10 
for the year. That's a lot. That's a lot. That, that, that a, would be impressive. That I would be, be impressive. impressive. So that's one of my goals or one of my resolutions, if you will. Mine is to watch more movies than you. Okay. Well, we're not even going to talk about that yet. That's for the <laughs> that's for the next episode. Um, but oh boy, but be and that's we're we're not we we don't want to get too far into 2019 yet without paying our respects to 2018. 2018 is dead. Long live 2018, or thank God, um, depending on on what type of year you had. And our purpose for the majority of this episode is for us to look back at 2018 um, with hopefully fond eyes, you know, talking about our favorite films of the year, our favorite uh, moments of the year and things of that nature. Um, And then our next episode will all be about 2019, our our goals, the things that we're changing, the things that we want to do, the things that David and I are doing all kinds of stuff. We got a lot of a big, big plans. We got a lot of, of, of delusions of grandeur for what we want to do for 2019. But as we said, let's talk about 2018. And the, you know, when we did this last year. We called the United States of the United State of Film 2017. So it's kind of a similar similar approach. And this is the United State of Film for 2018. But one of the big things that I wanted to do this year, and one of the things that I have seen on film Twitter. Um, and just kind of the online film community in general, is I really wanted to retire the worst of, you know. Uh, Last year we did, we talked about our worst of, we talked about the films that disappointed us, or bad movies, or whatever we want to call them, because, you know, there are plenty of movies that we saw this year that we weren't particularly fond of, you know. Um, Some that I would even call downright bad. Um, Very few, I can think of two specifically, that I would give a burnt popcorn rating to, but there's no reason to celebrate that. To me, why revel in it? You know, it's 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 the same thing as is going on Twitter and actually tweeting at a creator that you didn't like their thing. Like who who benefits that? Um, so we're not going to do a worst of this list this year. Um, instead, David, you proposed the biggest surprise, biggest disappointment. Yeah. Right. I think that's fair. You know, I think disappointment is something that's healthy um, and it's something that can be agreed with or disagreed with. So. We picked one of each of these. What was our biggest surprise of the year and what was our biggest disappointment of the year? And for me, my biggest disappointment uh, was Pacific Rim Uprising. By no means a horrible film, right? Had plenty of fun in it. John Boyega's blast in it. But I had that film as the number four most anticipated movie of the year for me. And it really underdelivered. It really missed, um, it missed Idris Elba. It missed Guillermo del Toro. It, it had a lot of things missing out of it, you know? Um, so that was my biggest disappointment of the year. What was your biggest disappointment of the year? This one was tough for me because it's not like I was disappointed in a ton of movies. And even the ones that came to mind as disappointments weren't because I didn't enjoy watching them or I thought they were a bad movie. Okay. They just didn't necessarily deliver on on what I was hoping. Like for you, I don't think you hated when you went and watched Pacific Rim. No. Just, it was literally in the top five movies you couldn't wait to see. Yeah. And when you go back on the films that you enjoyed the most, it's not anywhere near your top five. Sure. So um, that's kind of the way I look at it too. For me, Pacific Rim's in the conversation. Um, two movies that I haven't seen yet that I think for a lot of people are probably on their list would be like Mortal Engines and, and maybe even Tag. I know you okay. enjoyed Tag, though. I did. Um, but for me, it's Ocean's 8. Um, Interesting. Okay. And that's mostly has to do with just like the bar was set so high. Right. Um, 
with Ocean's 11, 12, and 13. And the cast um, for Ocean's 8. And the cast itself. But, and I think even if you asked me right when I left the movie, was it disappointing? I wouldn't have said yes. Like, I enjoyed it. Sure. Um, but I haven't really had any kind of urge to go back and watch it again. Which is um, not true of the previous trilogy. Yes, I've probably watched them all <laughs> over 300 times. <laughs> And that's not even an exaggeration. No, I, uh, it is not. And so that to me, and, and maybe I, when I go back and I watch it again, maybe it will get into that rotation of rewatchable things for me. Sure. Um, and from a box office standpoint, some of these aren't necessarily disappointments either. I think another one that could be in the conversation for a lot of people might be Jurassic, uh, Jurassic World. And again, yeah. that was a very successful uh-huh. box office movie. But when you have a franchise that sets the bar so high, Solo is another good example. Yeah. We both enjoyed Solo, and I think it delivered on a lot of our expectations. But for a lot of people, like Star Wars has such a high bar, and for something to be just good and not amazing sure you know leave some people disappointed and i think that's why some of these films that's why we don't like doing a worst of anymore because it's not necessarily always that they're bad movies it's just maybe they didn't fulfill the expectations that you have there are some legitimately bad movies out there (laughs) yes there are let's spend our time talking about movies that are good um just worst of lists just feel vindictive like i've seen a lot of them and it's just why celebrate the bad why even talk about the bad you know because you're not going to talk about it anymore after this year yeah you know so um so yeah i agree with that now what about your biggest surprise surprise for me um and i i picked three two i've seen one i haven't oh oh, interesting Um, i'll start with the one i haven't i still want to see this i'm angry that i haven't seen it yet okay um but if you would have told me that it was going to blow up and be the success that it is and possibly even get nominated for Best Picture mm-hmm. or at least have a good shot, A Quiet Place. Okay. John Krasinski's directorial debut. Sure. Um, horror film. Horror film coming out in February, which isn't necessarily a, a bad thing anymore for no. films. Um, but for it to be get the buzz that it got and right. sustain, like it was really like without being lazy in comparisons like this year's get out from the standpoint of like that film that came out really early in the year that somehow sustained momentum. And if not for black Panther probably would have been the only film that came out early in the year that people talked about. Um, But for ones that I saw, I actually had three that came to mind um, and I won't talk about them too much, but upgrade, yeah. We both saw, we saw that actually together. Upgrade's great. Um, had very little expectations for that <laughs> film, um, and definitely exceeded any of that I had there. Sure. Uh, Overlord, another weird, smaller budget, smaller film that uh, was just turned out to be a lot of fun. Yes. Um, and enjoyable. And then the big name in the group um, would be Mission Impossible. Oof. I love Mission Impossible movies. Right. So. It's not that I wasn't expecting good stuff from Mission Impossible, sure. but I didn't expect a movie that, in my feelings, is up there for one of the best pictures of the year. It's phenomenal. It's, it's I agree 100% with that. For me, I'm taking a little bit of a different approach, um, which is interesting for me, I think, in that my biggest surprise is a small independent film called Thunder Road. 
directed by Jim Cummings um, from his short film of the same name. It's one of those films that's nominated for the Jim Cassavetes Award for the Film Independent Spirit Awards coming out, which is an award given to a film that costs less than $500,000. So it's a micro-budgeted film, and it's solely built around the performance of Jim Cummings. He wrote it, he directed it, he performs in it. And it's all about a cop who in Texas, I believe it's Texas, I don't remember exactly where in Texas, um, who kind of has a mental breakdown after his mother's funeral and after dealing with a divorce and troubles at work and things like that. And it doesn't sound like the shiniest, you know, bright and shiny movie out there, but it is so funny. It is, it is, it manages a tightrope act of balancing between really funny and really sad sometimes in the exact same scene um i highly recommend anybody who has amazon prime or itunes or whatever go out and rent thunder road um it's 90 minutes it's not very long and it's really a character piece but jim cummings does an excellent job at transitioning in the middle of a very heartfelt monologue of transitioning from being you know being very sad and being heartfelt to then saying or doing something or performing it in a way that is hilarious. And it's all intentional. Um, and I marked that as one of my films that I absolutely wanted to see. I saw a lot about it on Twitter. I saw a lot about it on the um, film websites that I read. So Thunder Road is, is, is my pick for biggest surprise. Um, I saw three movies in the weekend leading up to the new year. I saw Vice, I saw The Favorite, and I saw Thunder Road. And if you'd have told me that the movie that stuck with me the most out of those three would have been Thunder Road, I would have called you crazy. Um, so I really like Thunder Road a lot, and I thought that was my biggest surprise of the year. Uh, David, real quick, you know, before we get into our moments and our movies, this is a big year for box office. I believe one of, if not the biggest year for box office, um, Disney, <laughs> obviously number one, I want to ask you a question. I, I don't know if you did this research, if you did fine, but what made more money Disney or the field? Do you think? Hmm. I would imagine Disney. I would too. It's it's not. It's it's the field because Disney made more than three billion dollars this year. They had the three highest grossing films of the year. They had uh, God. They had Black Panther at seven hundred, Avengers: Infinity War at six seventy eight, and they had Incredibles at six oh eight. Not to mention the fact that they also had Ant Man, Solo, Ralph Breaks the Internet. Uh, they had all kinds of stuff coming out. They made about $3 billion. But the next three studios made about $1.7 each. So the field still wins. But Disney made almost, gosh, it's like 30% more. No, it's not 30% more. It's almost double of what any other studio made. I think the closest next to one was, I think it was Universal at 1.7 or something like that. Um, do you did you have any surprises in terms of box office where where everything landed? I know that we did predictions. Um, I don't remember with, exactly where what we had everything at. With, without a doubt, the biggest surprise to me from a box office standpoint, and there actually is a second one that's in conversation. And when I say box office, I'm talking worldwide box office here. Sure. Um, and that's got to be Venom. I mean, for a film mm -hmm. that. One, a lot of people thought looked really weird and strange. Um, and is really and weird. And is and really weird and strange. 
um, and is a movie that I don't think anybody was asking for at the time. Like, no. not that people are asking for films specifically, but I think with Spider Verse, with Homecoming, with Avengers, and that, like, no one needed a Venom movie at this time. Sure, and it's not tied into another story it's not a continuation of anything it was literally a standalone venom movie Mm -hmm. and for it to be number five on the year worldwide and approaching i don't think i don't think it'll quite get there but approaching 900 million at the box office that's ridiculous for me it's crazy um other ones that surprised me um in the negative way obviously solo would be a little bit of a surprise Mm -hmm. that it it didn't crack um i think it cracked the top 10 domestically but i don't think it comes even close not even close in worldwide no um and then the grinch doing as well as it did was a little surprising to me um i think worldwide it's number six for the year which is which is pretty incredible or or no it's uh it's lower domestic it's six but Uh, worldwide worldwide it's it's like 17 but still 500 million dollars and it's people didn't even like it like it 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 was like it (laughs) and and i haven't seen it yet so i can't speak but like reviews that you see aren't exactly strong for it no a lot of people are like why do we need another grinch movie when we have the jim carrey one which was 17 years ago which was 17 years ago so there's been a lot more movies that have been remade and never underestimate a um, a, a christmas a a well-branded christmas movie those those were some those were my biggest surprises of the year obviously you could talk about um what an incredible run Black Panther had um, yeah. being second movie on the year. Um, and I think the number one domestic was it number one no. domestic seven hundred yeah. million dollars. Third highest grossing film of all time behind For, Star Wars and Avatar. And then from a February release, though. Yeah. Crazy. Yeah, that's wild. Um, I think some of my biggest uh, surprises in terms of box office were the failures of some certain movies like Solo. You know, we talked about that already. Tag, we really didn't have a gigantic, and it's been a while since we had a big, gigantic, full-blown comedy, you know, break like $150 million. Um, this year is no different. You know, like we had rom-coms like Crazy Rich Asians and you had movies that are certainly funny, but nothing really that big. And so movies like Tag that only made like $50 million or or even The Rock, if you want to talk domestically speaking, The Rock kind of had a, a, a downer year this year. Both Rampage and Skyscraper failed to hit $100 million. Now, worldwide, they did a little bit better. You know, Rampage made $428 million and Skyscraper made three hundred and four. million. So worldwide, The Rock is still doing fantastic. But domestically speaking, audiences weren't that big on The Rock this year. Um, so, so yeah, so I found those interesting as well. Um, let's talk about our favorites of the year. Let's talk specifically, I listed off 10 moments of the year that I thought were my top moments in film for the year. And there's so many of them, you know, there are films I haven't seen. There are films that, that I just couldn't remember or whatever. Um, but I have my 10 favorite moments in no particular order. You know, and I kind of wanted to list them off and then have your you go through any of your favorite moments as well. But in no particular order, like you got to talk about um, the stuff from the Marvel movies. Like you got to talk about the snap. Right. And yep. and and the snapping and everything that happened at the end of Infinity War. But then going going to that film again, seeing that film in theaters when Thor arrives in Wakanda 
is literally one of the coolest moments I've ever had in the theater where everybody went batshit crazy, cheering and clapping and whatnot. So Thor showing up in Wakanda at the end when the Avengers theme kicks was awesome. Um, you have things like uh, Black Panther, you know, and Black Panther has a number of memorable moments, whether it be Killmonger's final lines or whether it be, to me, it was the moment where Okoye looked at her her beloved and he was like, you would kill me? And she goes, for Wakanda? Without question. Uh, that's the shit that I remember the most from that movie. The wedding from Crazy Rich Asians. I, I look forward to the next few years of viral videos of people trying to replicate that wedding and failing miserably. <laughs> Easily one of the best on-screen weddings I've ever seen. I think the Kessel Run in Solo was awesome. You know, the use of music, the 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 the, the effects on display was so good. Um, likewise with The Shining the entire sequence of The Shining in Ready Player One just goes to show that Spielberg can still create a banger of a set piece, like an all-timer set piece with those. Absolutely love that. Um, probably some of my favorite ones, uh, you know, include stuff out of the Spider-Verse, like when Miles finally, quote-unquote, becomes Spider-Man. But if I had to list, gosh, three or four as my tops... The moment they sing Shallow for the first time in A Star is Born is one of the most emotionally powerful film uh, film moments of the year. The lunar landing in First Man is so visceral in terms of tension and intensity, and it reminds me a lot of... It just reminded me how good Damien Chazelle is at ratcheting up tension. Um, I loved... Uh, the parking lot debacle in Thunder Road. Uh, you'll you'll know it when I see it. There's a couple of monologues in Thunder Road. Um, the first one is actually what the film was based off of, which is a, a monologue, a eulogy at a funeral. But for my money, I think the whole parking lot sequence in Thunder Road is is fantastic. And last but certainly not least, I mean, it's hard for me to pick one sequence out of Mission Impossible Fallout. So I'll just pick a few of them, like the Halo jump. Uh, the uh, entire chase in, in Paris, the entire chase in London, the helicopter chase. Uh, I mean, literally all-timer action sequences. Uh, if you haven't seen Mission Impossible Fallout because you don't like um, Tom Cruise or you don't like those Mission Impossible movies, I strongly urge you to reconsider. So those were those are my, um, my uh, picks for moments of the year. What about yours? It was it was difficult for me to go back to specific moments. Yeah. So I didn't make a list of a full ten, but definitely the ones that uh, jump out to me as far as the most memorable ones. Um, you you touched on a couple of them, but one of them would definitely be the shallows or the shallow performance. I think there's a couple you could pick out of um, out of a stars born, but I think. Because of how they did the marketing of um, A Star is Born, sure. and you got little glimpses of that, but sure. you didn't really feel like how it all leads up to that moment. Um, that was the that was the amazing thing to me, is because of how much we got that song in the previews yeah. and that performance in the previews. Yeah. Like I expected like that one, you know, kind of like a joke that you hear over and over in the previews, it doesn't land as good when you finally see that comedy. Right. Like, I expected that song to not 
be the best moment from that film and that's probably one of the best moments from the film if not the best sure um they were certainly right to market around it absolutely uh mission impossible comes comes to mind i think for me it's either because it's not really a scene that the the paris london section sure with everything in the tunnel there no and it's all like the, the whole back and forth <laughs> it's like a whole movie i don't i don't really think of that as a moment um so to me, the moments out of Mission Possible have to be either the fight in the bathroom. Oh, I forgot about the fight in the fucking bathroom. It's either that. Damn it. Or it's the helicopter stuff. That bathroom and, fight's so good. And really, it's the fight. The only reason the helicopter is in there for me is knowing that crazy Tom Cruise actually did the crap that's yes. on there. Yes. Flew so that helicopter. That That is what makes that helicopter chase that more uh, edgier seat thrilling. Obviously, we all know Tom Cruise survived it, but just like <laughs> thinking about the fact that like this isn't faked, like this is real. Sure. Oh yeah. Um, gives you so much more respect for that um, that portion. Uh, I think The Shining and Ready Player One. You so know, Ready good. Player One. I, I go back and forth on how much I really liked it. Sure. I enjoyed it a lot. Um, and and as we go through our list, you'll probably see that. But um, that is one scene that I remember just being like perfect in yeah. it. Like it was so good. Um, other things that that jumped out to me, I couldn't really pick anything from Spider Verse, but it's it, as a whole. As a whole, is just the look of it. Yeah. Um, and just how different it is from anything that we've ever seen. Yeah. Um, it was just amazing to see. I think the other one, obviously, the snap doesn't need to be talked about anymore <laughs> uh, from that standpoint. And I'm trying to pinpoint what the scene was in Venom um, before we did this podcast, what I was going back. It's got to be the uh, is it the lobster tank scene? Yes. It's got to be the lobster, the lobster tank scene. The lobster tank scene was just fantastic. Say what you want about that movie, but you have you see Tom Hardy's commitment to the role of Venom on full display in the lobster scene. Yeah, like, you do. If, if you don't realize that Venom was a passion project for him watching that film, like that scene alone will sell you on that. So nice. that, that one jumped out to me. Kessel Run was another one that came up in Solo. Also in, in Black Klansman. Um, oh, what was it? The... Uh, the rally was pretty pretty iconic for. Oh for man, the, there, I mean, yeah, there's and, there, so and there's many a bunch things. that you could pick out from that movie too. The rally in Black Klansman, the end of Black Klansman. Yep. Black Klansman, I think, I think even though we've seen it, I think we're sleeping on how good that movie is. Yeah, it's I know I'm guilty of it. But the last one for me has got to be, came from one of our animated movies, in Incredibles two. Okay. With uh, with Jack Jack and Jack the, Jack versus the, the raccoon. raccoon. Yeah. Oh. That scene, like, there's very few moments, I feel like, where, like, I literally f find myself, like, laughing out loud sure. in a movie. Like, I'll be laughing, but, like, where I actually, like, laugh out loud in a film. And that <laughs> that scene's just so perfect. So, those were those were some of the ones that came to mind for me. Those are great, man. Those, I mean, it's... I'm, anybody who says it was a bad year of movies is just wrong. 
there's just they're fundamentally wrong box office is massive there are so many great things that came out this year and i'm just really really happy with the year now before we get to our top movies of 2018 i want to remind everybody that you can get regular episodes of the popcorn diet delivered to you for free by hitting that subscribe button or following us wherever you're listening from we really appreciate just taking just a little second right now whatever you're doing just stop unless you're driving don't do that but whatever you're doing just stop hit that subscribe button give us a rating give us a review if you got the time or share the popcorn diet with any of your own good movie buddies we also want to remind you to check us out on patreon we got our first patreon up we just started it literally literally today as you're listening to this today and you can go to patreon you can find a popcorn diet at patreon.com slash the popcorn diet and consider becoming a patron of the podcast we already we already got one shout out to give to to our newest patron leah theodosis thank you so much for for showing your support for the podcast and we hope to grow this community not only is it you know, whatever you decide to, to, to give us with your patronage, not only is that going to help us, you know, improve the podcast with, with better branding, better sound and things like that, but it's going to help us improve in all ways, shapes and forms. Um, not only that, we'll be able to generate new content, hopefully some merch, but by becoming a patron, you also get access to exclusive patron only episodes like, our franchise refills this year, those are going to be patron exclusive. Once award season starts coming for 2019, our Oscar primers are going to be patron exclusive. So if you want to get those episodes, go to patreon.com slash the popcorn diet and pledge a little money to us. Help us out. We really, really love what we do and we'd like to continue doing it. Um, but of course, we don't want you to forget that you can just very easily and very freely follow us on Facebook, on Twitter, on Instagram at the popcorn diet and then last but certainly not least you can find all of our latest uh, regular episodes you can find all of our articles our reviews oscar predictions our hindsight awards all of those can be found on our website popcorndietpodcast.com and so that leads us to our our favorite films of the year what we consider to be the best of the year and and you know, before we get started, again, big thing I want to remind everybody is this is just what we think. You know, this is just our opinion. These are by no means definitive. These are not objective. These are the films that that we feel we were the best in, in, in our eyes, in our opinion. So if one of your favorite films isn't on the list, that's okay. I want to know what your favorite movies are, and I want to know why. There's nothing wrong with that at all. Um, but for me, I did, I know you did a little bit more than 10 this year. I did a top 18 of I did 18 as well just to mirror you hey well I appreciate that um but we'll start with 18 and well and real quick before we go through this yes we should disclose that we have not seen every movie as many movies as Rick and I see That's a great point especially with AMC having a list we can see movies kind of for free not for free but you for know 20 I mean. bucks a month as uh, much as we want. for 20 bucks a month we can see three movies a week um that wasn't an ad for them, by the way, but it is It is pretty nice. <laughs> it's a great deal. Um, but I have, uh, I'm a little ashamed of my list. There's a lot of movies I got to catch up. Sure. Blame having two kids under two. Uh, but I have Crazy Rich Asians, Vice, A Quiet Place, Bumblebee, Bohemian Rhapsody, Green Book, The Favorite, Searching, Mary Poppins, Leave No Trace with my boy Ben Foster, Blockers, Halloween, 
Can You Ever Forgive Me, Bird Box, which everybody's talking about on Twitter, yep. Isle of Dogs, another animated favorite, Sorry to Bother You, If Beale Street Could Talk, The Hate You Give, First Reformed, and Can You Ever Forgive Me? Oh, I already said that one. You already said that so, one. So no, I cannot forgive you. Yeah. So I have a lot of work to do as sure. far as a lot of the ones drawing um, awards sure. buzz. I think some of them have the potential to to make my top 18. Most of them probably aren't because this top 18, just so everybody knows, too, is our favorite. Right. Not the best. This isn't like our top. Like these are the top Academy Award nominees, like what we should think should win Best Picture. No, these are um, the ones we like. These are the ones we like the most. So there's going to be some that are on these lists some years for us that are guilty pleasures that it's more like you know what i don't know what it was about this movie but i just loved it absolutely um and there's going to be some that are your traditional ones that are going to be in the best picture conversation absolutely i haven't seen everything either you know i missed some big ones i missed some small ones i haven't seen bohemian rhapsody yet you know uh, i haven't seen green book yet i haven't seen if beale street could talk first reform can you ever forgive me i didn't see eighth grade or leave no trace like you i didn't see searching either um, blind spotting is another one. So, you know, sorry to bother you. Isle of Dogs, definitely a lot that I didn't see. I also have some honorable mentions. You know, not. I mean, we listed of course, eighteen. You can't do eighteen. Can't just do eighteen. Um, but movies that were really, really good, they just didn't make the list. You know, movies like Tully with Charlize Theron, the Halloween film, Bumblebee turned out to be really great. Widows, likewise. All of these are really great films. Mary Poppins, Black Klansman is phenomenal. Just thinking about it right now. Uh, Sicario 2, Day of the Soldado, I absolutely loved. And The Favorite um, just didn't make it on my list, but they're really, really good. Um, so with that being said, David, I'll go ahead and I'll let you start with number 18. And we'll count us down unless you want to start with number 18, one. 18 for me, Overlord. I already talked about it earlier as being one of the best surprises for me. Yep. Um, I just really enjoyed that film. It was... Um, not necessarily unique, but definitely felt different than than what we've gotten recently. Um, no one that you necessarily recognize from a cast standpoint, mm -hmm. but I just really enjoyed the movie. As did I. It's not. It's not. It's on my list. Uh, Eighteen for me was Ready Player One. Uh, Spielberg is my favorite director of all time, and Ready Player One, while by no means a perfect film, is just another great example of even at. I mean, he's in his seventies now, and he's still making top notch technically amazing films that are just great, great uh, cinema, great fun, great popcorn. Not to mention the Chucky bit in Ready Player One is maybe one of the best uses of the <laughs> F word all year. So in a PG-13 movie too. So yeah, exactly. So number 18 for me was uh, Ready Player One. Number 17 for me was Overlord. Everything that you said about it was correct. It's gnarly, bloody, great action, great effects. Overlord made number 17 for me. Definitely check it out. 17 for me probably isn't going to make many people's top lists from this year, but for whatever reason, I really enjoyed the the movie. And if you want to talk about iconic scene, this one definitely has uh, at least one, and that's Bad Times at the El Royale. Okay. Um, one of the movies I anticipated from this year, and, and maybe it wasn't quite as good as on paper you thought it might have been, um, but I still, it was an edge of the seat type of movie for me and that was probably because i didn't read what was going to happen like That's some people a fair point um but i really enjoyed it that scene where uh she's uh with the floor where she's singing yeah and yeah that scene is just so much fun it is an excellent scene what's what's 16 for you 
16 for me is already on your list. Um, surprising that it's higher on my list than for you, but as uh, Ready Player One. Okay. Yep. There's, there's a lot of good movies this year, man. Um, 16 for me was, I'm surprised this is this low, but it's Incredibles 2. Wow. Uh, it's it, like, if I have to wait, how what was it, 14 years? For another Incredibles movie, then I'm fine with it because Incredibles 2 was awesome. It was amazing. Literally one of the funniest scenes, as you previously mentioned, uh, in a Pixar film with Jack-Jack versus the raccoon. Uh, 16, Incredibles 2. It's great. As all these movies are great. Um, and then 15 for me. So we're doing a little we're doing a little snake here. So I'll do 16. You did 16. I'll do 16. All I'll right. do 15. For me, 15, Crazy Rich Asians. Not a big rom-com guy, but this melted my cold, cold heart. Um, I've heard it described as lifestyle porn, which is not a terrible description in that these are all rich people who are able to have the absolute best, and it looks amazing. But I'll be damned if it just wasn't a really well-made movie, really you know, gorgeous to look at, well-acted, very charming. Crazy Rich Asians, number 15. Number 15 for me is Black Klansman. So it actually made my list. I nice. think it was an honorable mention for you. It was. Um, definitely enjoyed it. Obviously, one of my favorite of Spike Lee's movies. Sure. Um, definitely makes it towards the top there. Um, love the performances in it. Um, and, and while it's not, it, it does a really good job of balancing the funny. And obviously, it's got a message behind it. But I, I really enjoyed that film. Yeah. Uh, 14 for me. Deadpool 2. I'm a, I'm a sucker for the Deadpool movies. Okay. I loved uh, Deadpool 2. I love that they did <laughs> Once Upon a Deadpool as a re-release. True. Um, I, I, it's, that's my type of film right there. All right. All right. That was 14, right? 14. 14 for me was The Death of Stalin, which is uh, Armando Iannucci, who, does, who created Veep and did one of my favorite political satire films called In the Loop. Um, and he does this, he does dark political satire better than anybody. And so this is all like, again, darkly comedic, but it's all about the, the chaos that happened in Russia when Stalin died and everybody making grabs for power. And it's got Jeffrey Tambor in it. It's got uh, Steve Buscemi in it. It's got Jason Isaacs in it. And they're all really freaking funny. Um, so if you like good satire, Death of Stalin, you should definitely check it out. Um, that's my number 14. My number 13 is, as I mentioned before, it's Thunder Road. Uh, we, again, micro-budgeted. It, it, it's super deserving of your intention. The, like I said, the way that it balances comedy and drama and sadness and humor is really something, imp it's genuinely impressive. And it's really anchored by a great performance. I mean, Jim Cummings is everything in the movie. This movie is nothing without him. Um, so I'm really excited to see what he does next after uh, after Thunder Road. And that's my number 13. All right. Number 13 for me is Ant-Man and the Wasp. Um, funny enough, the Ant-Man movies to me are almost a comedy in themselves. Sure. Michael Peña is fantastic. Um, I enjoy Paul Rudd's uh, character, obviously Ant-Man, the title character in that. Mm -hmm. um, but both movies have just exceeded my expectations for, for a character I know very little of, and that's kind of a theme, I feel like, of the Marvel movies in general. Sure. It's not DC where you know them all very well. Sure. Um, they're just a fresh, a fresh take on when you're getting so many superhero movies, it's nice to have one that's 
a little bit lighter, mm-hmm. has a lot more comedy in it, has some some great characters in it. Um, and so I always really enjoy the Ant-Man movies. Okay. Uh, number 12 for me was on your honorable mentions as well is Widows. Okay. Um, great movie. It's really good. Really good movie. Daniel Kaluuya is Crushes. so good in that film. Um, and on on the strength of him alone, that movie's uh, in, in my top 18. For sure. Um, man, such a good year for movies. Number 12 for me is The Ballad of Buster Scruggs. Uh, Coen Brothers, uh, again... It's Netflix, sure, but that means nothing nowadays. It's it's to me that means nothing in terms of quality. That just means distribution, and Buster Scruggs goes to prove that. Buster Scruggs is phenomenal, and it's almost like a microcosm of everything that the Cohen brothers are about. You know, it's their most Coheny movie where you can have such broad comedy and such dark drama and character moments and things like that. Um, musical moments action moments uh, it's a gorgeous film to look at my uh, buster scruggs is phenomenal my favorite two segments of buster scruggs were the first segment ballad of buster scruggs and the uh gold mining segment all gold canyon so that's my number 12 um and then i go to 11 and for me <laughs> this is one of my more surprising additions on this list but it's paddington 2 wow yeah I didn't see that one, so I can't talk Paddington about Paddington 2, I'm going to keep it simple. Two points about Paddington 2. And that number one, it is just delightful. It's it's such a movie that will make you feel good uh, just by being about decency and about being polite and being good, you know? And then Hugh Jackman is plays a character named Phoenix Buchanan. So, like, what? how have you not <laughs> seen this movie yet? Um, it's great. It's great for the whole family. It's really well made. Um, Paul King, I believe, is going to direct Disney's live-action Pinocchio based off of this film, which is super exciting to me. So that's my that's my number eleven is Paddington two. Number eleven for me is definitely lower on the list because we're talking about favorites versus as far as the movie itself and how well done it is. Sure, but it's First Man. Okay, again, we've talked about this. This is impeccably made. But it's just not a movie I really care to go watch a bunch of times. It's, your emotional it's, bone. it's fantastic. Uh, Gosling's great. Uh, everybody in the cast is great in that film. Um, but it's just not. It's not the the happy we landed on the moon story. <laughs> um, it's it's a little bit of a downer um, okay. for me. It's understandable. And so that's why it's a little bit lower on my list. But I still can't. I can't keep it off of my top 18, and, and, and it comes in at 11 for me. Okay. Number 10 for me, you already talked about it, so I won't go too far into it, is The Ballad of Buster Scruggs. Yeah. Um, just a different take. Obviously, a, we, we got a couple really good Netflix movies this year um, that are getting talked about a lot. This one's probably got talked about the least, um, probably because it's a Western. And, and it's the Western Brothers. It's and- Coen Brothers, and they're weird and all that kind of stuff. But <laughs> yeah. um, I agree with you on the, the best two acts, but I also really enjoyed the ending of of the uh the dog one the i think okay. it's the last one it's it's the longest by far sure um but second to last I, second to last one yeah. but i really enjoyed that one too nice uh my number 10 is creed 2 now objectively I, I, objectively and again we i said we weren't going to approach this objectively creed 2 is just not as good as the first creed it's just not 
But that being said, it's still effective. It still gives you everything you want in a Rocky movie and everything you want in a Creed movie. It manages to be an effective sequel, not only to Creed, but also to Rocky Four. The Dragos somehow have been turned into from one of the most, uh, from one of the least subtle villains to one of the more layered antagonists um, of the year. Um, I love these movies. I love Michael B. Jordan. I love Creed. I'm, I'm in. I'm in on it, and it's making my top ten at number ten. Number nine might be perhaps the most underrated film of the year for me, and that is Game Night. Game Night, I'm telling you, is it's an all-timer of dark comedy hijinks. It's got everything in it. The cast is great. In a just world, Rachel McAdams would be talked about for Best Supporting Actress, and Jesse Plemons would be a front-runner for Best Supporting Actor. Um, I don't think I have laughed harder at a joke about the profitability of Frito-Lay any harder than I did in <laughs> Game Night. It's dark, it's violent, it's funny as hell, and it's it's just, it's great. Game Night is phenomenal, and if you haven't seen it, you're sleeping on it. So that's my number nine. Number nine for me is Incredibles 2. Okay. We've talked about that already. Number eight for me is Avengers Infinity War. Okay. So, um, I mean, there's not a whole lot that needs to be talked about with Avengers Infinity War. It's true. Um, delivered on... on a lot of levels obviously wasn't what we've been getting traditionally from these films. And, no. and obviously I think it's going to be, you're not going to be able to fully judge infinity war until we get now called Endgame, um, until you watch both. Cause they are going to go hand in hand because you're left kind of in the middle. Sure. So I think it's hard to judge infinity war as a standalone, but even as a standalone, it was one of my favorite movies of this year. Sure. Yeah. I mean, it's a standalone that doesn't end the way you want it to. Sure. Right. Um, so for me, what, so for me, that was your number eight, eight. you said, um, my number eight is first man. Uh, it's everything you said about it, but it is such a visceral, intense film that is not as emotionally connecting, you know, sure. But the, the moon landing is so intense. Like, I know how the moon landing ends. We all know how the moon landing ends. We know what happens. And yet, it's the most intense I think I felt in a theater all year. You know, it's just so well made um, that I think that in a while we're all going to look back and wonder why we didn't give First Man more credit. Uh, and then number seven for me is Infinity War. Uh, it's as the culmin, you know, like uh, as a culmination of a franchise, it's amazing. As the 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 beginning of the end, it's amazing. The ability to balance and, and manage to juggle all those characters is amazing. Um, and then, yeah, just, I mean, what more can you say about the snap that hasn't already been said? Yeah. So that's my number eight and my number seven. Number seven for me is Game Night. Um, yeah. Unfortunately, didn't get a seat in the theaters. Um, and so I think that's a credit to it, too, for me watching it not in the theaters and how great I uh how much I enjoyed it. Sure. And, and like you said, Gary, um, Jesse Plemons character, the, the next door neighbor cop, um, is by far my favorite character in that. So but good. I love Kyle Chandler. Rachel McAdams is great. Jason Bateman's always, it, it's a, it's just such a fun movie. Uh, number six for me is Creed two. You already talked about it as well. I'm a sucker for the Rocky movies, sucker for the Creed movies. I'm in, um, while no, it's not Ryan Coogler. Um, they do a really good job of for people leaving the film as far as 
not being involved, yeah. the way that they pull it off for as good as Creed one is it's, they had a big bar to, to live up to. And I thought they did a really good job. Yeah. Creed two. It's so good. I can't wait to, I saw it twice. It's so good. Um, number six for me is a quiet place. I mean, We've already talked about in terms of effects, you know, box office and, and pop culture and whatnot. It's such an effective horror movie and a high concept horror movie. I absolutely love it. Number five for me is Roma, you know, which is so funny because Roma is, you know, we've talked about this and we talk about this in our, our Oscar primer. But Roma is such a simple story. It's such an unflashy story told in an oddly flashy way, not with quick cuts or special effects, but just with very deliberate artistic cinematography and shot selection. And it's easily one of the prettiest films of the year. Um, so Roma for me is my number five. Number five for me is also Roma. Hey, for all the reasons you just said again, <laughs> um, it would probably be higher on most lists as far as like the quality of the movie itself. Um, but again, as far as for me, my favorite movies, uh, it's definitely something to s step back and admire um, as a film itself and the way it was put together and shot. Number four for me is another movie that um, went a different direction than we ever have. Um, and that is Spider-Man, an uh, animation movie that we haven't seen shot the way that it was shot. Sure. Um, the animation style is something that we're not used to. The story is not what we're used to for Spider-Man. Um, and it was really cool to see truly a comic book movie feel like a comic book. Very much so, yeah. Um, number four for me is A Star is Born. To me, that movie is the perfect example of how... I mean, it says it in the film of how the same story can be told but remain effective because of who's telling it. You know, we've seen this story before, but it's just so damn well done, so emotionally affecting. That is my number four. Um, it, it's really, really good. Bradley Cooper's amazing. Lady Gaga's amazing. Number three, and I can't believe this is all the way down at number three. For the longest time, this was my number one of the year, but number three is Black Panther. And we've already had like 18 episodes about Black Panther on this podcast already. It is just so good. It's amazing how Kugler can bring in not only his eye for character work, his eye for action work, but also his Oakland roots, you know, touching on topics like race, class, isolationism, diplomacy, all in a Marvel film, right? Yep. So that's my number three. Number three for me is A Star is Born. Um, again, the blend of music for Bradley Cooper's directorial debut—it's just so so good. They uh, both Lady Gaga and, and Bradley Cooper are just phenomenal in it. Oh, and yeah. The music's great. Um, it's a movie that a number of songs could be nominated as as best song. Um, I think they're doing the right thing though, just picking shallow. But I agree. Uh, number two for me is Mission Impossible. I never would have thought it would have been my second favorite movie of the year. Maybe second favorite I could have seen, but I would have it if you had me pick top 10 movies just from a pure movie standpoint. I would be in my top 10 as well. Uh, so much fun. The The action is incredible. The movie, the characters, the, the villains, everything is just fantastically done in Mission Impossible. Um, and my number one, and I'll let you do your top three, okay. um, but I'll do my top three together, sure. is Black Panther. You talked about it as well. Um, just just the different take, not only how good of a movie it was just on set, the villain is by far, in my opinion, the best villain we've had in Marvel. Yep. Um, 
it's the first Marvel movie that I feel like you can't legitimately not nominate this for Best Picture. I think Michael B. Jordan should be getting a supporting actor, whether he gets it or not. Sure. We'll see. Um, but th- I feel like Black Panther is breaking a lot of barriers, um, not just giving us a black superhero and a f- fully realized black, uh, you know, all black cast or, or majority black cast, mm-hmm. um, which is exciting to see in the Marvel Universe. But also it's going to break down some barriers for superhero movies as far as uh, winning awards. Finally. I think, I think it's going to kill it at uh, the Academy Awards. I so hope it does. I'm, I'm excited. I hope it does, man. My number two is Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse. I came into expecting Spider-Verse. I came in expecting quite a lot. Um, the hyperbole was set really high, but I'm more than happy to find that it met and exceeded every one of my expectations. Uh, it, it's just the voice performances are perfect. The animation style is unlike anything you've ever seen before, which in 2018 is saying a lot. Um, it's a kaleidoscope of, of, of pop art, you know, it's one of the best films of the year. And then number one for me, I, I, again, I wouldn't have expected this, but number one for me is Mission Impossible Fallout. And it's because Fallout winds up being one, ultimately one of the best, the best action film of this year, possibly the best action film of the last 10 years. And maybe one of the best action films ever made. It is flawless and relentless in terms of pure ratcheting tension of action, you know. And shout out to Tom Cruise because he's always, you know, tried to find ways to top himself in, you know, different Mission Impossible movies. But now he's topping himself numerous times in the same film. Uh, it's an absolute thrill ride. You know, the cast is great. The action is 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 otherworldly. The plot is is excellent twists and turns. Um, and ultimately, you know, Mission Impossible Fallout is what I think blockbuster filmmaking can hope to achieve. It's the top echelon, you know, uh, in terms of action, suspense, everything about it. So that is our top films of the year uh i cannot wait to talk about what we have going on in 2019 i'm extremely excited um but that is going to do it for this episode before we end i want to remind everybody that you can get regular episodes of this podcast delivered to you for free by subscribing or following wherever you're listening from. We really appreciate you taking just a few seconds to hit that subscribe button, give us a rating or a review, or share the Popcorn Diet with any of your good movie buddies. Grow the Popcorn Diet community. Uh, Of course, I also want to remind you to check out our new Patreon by going to patreon.com slash the popcorn diet and considering you know consider becoming a patron of the podcast you know not only is this going to help us improve the podcast in in every way shape or form um, but it also is going to give you access to exclusive patron only episodes and content like our franchise refills it's also going to give you access to hopefully um popcorn diet swag shorts apparel stickers all kinds of cool stuff um that and much much more so hit us up on patreon patreon.com slash the popcorn diet of course we don't want you to forget that you can also follow us on facebook on twitter on instagram at the popcorn diet and then last but certainly not least you can find all of our latest regular episodes all of our articles reviews oscar predictions and more at our website popcorn diet but 
For the Canadian machine, Mr. David Melhorn, I am your very best good movie buddy, Rick Williamson. Welcome to 2019. We had a great 2018. It was a great year for movies. It was a great year for the podcast, and we cannot wait to get better, watch more movies, grow the community, and just be with you for 2019. So for that, we'll see you on the next episode with another good movie of The Popcorn Diet. Adios.